text as well as from the reading in Luke. You may be seated. Let us begin with the word of prayer. Father in heaven, what a joy it is for us to be gathered here into your presence today to sing your praises and receive your blessings. And Lord, we thank you for the gift you have given us of salvation, which you now call us, Lord, to share with the world. And we pray today, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen us and make us bold. Give to us people, Lord, who need to hear your word and give us the words to speak into their lives. And now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week we are finishing up this series where we've been talking about what it means to be a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's kind of summarize everything we've talked about over the last few weeks. What we've said is that Jesus has called us as his saved, beloved, baptized children. He has called us to the witness stand before the world. And as witnesses, we are to testify to the truth about Jesus Christ. That he is, in fact, God in flesh who has come into this world to die on the cross for our sins and to rise again for our salvation. And we've said this, that we need this salvation, that making this testimony oftentimes means testifying to some harsh truths. The truth that we live in a very sinful and broken creation. And that you and I, in our sinfulness, contribute to that brokenness, contribute to that darkness. We have to testify to that harsh truth, but only so that we can then testify to the even greater truth, that Jesus comes to save sinners, that Jesus Christ has come to save you in your sinfulness, to forgive your sins and give you everlasting life. And now he's given you that message to bring into the world. And we remember this from last week, that Jesus isn't waiting for the world to purify itself before he shows up on the scene. Jesus isn't waiting for us to get our lives all put together before he tells us this good news. No, Jesus comes right into the life of the sinner, right into the mix of the mess, to bring us there in those places, forgiveness, hope, and healing. He has called you from your place of sinfulness with this wonderful mercy. And now he sends you with this mercy out into the world. And so this is a wonderful thing. This is what we're celebrating. This is what we're talking about uh, these last few weeks here, that Jesus has called us to be witnesses, and he sends us into the world to proclaim this wonderful good news. And it is wonderful good news. It's a message that gives us hope and life and salvation. But here's the thing. As we go out, and we've said this as well over the last few weeks, we're not just going out into sort of what we might call friendly territory, but we're walking into a world that is vehemently opposed to Jesus Christ. You could go so far as to say Jesus is sometimes, we can say it this way, he is sending us into a hostile environment. Jesus says it this way, as sheep among wolves. And yet he still sends. Now, as we hear a reading from the book of Acts today, we see where it is exactly Jesus sends us. We have this marvelous passage where Jesus is ascending into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. And as Jesus ascends up into heaven, he gives his church this commission. He sees his disciples there, and he says to all of us, he gives us these words. He says this, I am sending you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There Jesus is telling his church and he's telling you and I today 
that wherever we are and wherever we go, we are to be witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. In his ascension, Jesus is being seated at the right hand of the Father where he's being given the name above every name and all authority in heaven and on earth is being given to him. So the one who was crucified for your sins and the one who rose again for your salvation to defeat death is now ruling and reigning over heaven and earth with his mercy. And he wants heaven and earth to know it. Because by proclaiming this message, we rescue heaven and earth from Satan's tyranny. As St. Paul says it this way, the Father has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So we bring this wonderful light into this dominion of darkness. But as I mentioned earlier, we have to know something about this dominion of darkness. It is a dominion that has been defeated by Jesus Christ and is not happy to have lost. Where Jesus sends you, Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth, everywhere you are and everywhere you go, Escondido, San Marcos, Valley Center, wherever you are, All of those places are places Satan worked very hard to subject to sin. And he's not happy to have lost them. And so he will not give them up easily. So that we should not expect as the church, for this job of testifying to Christ, this job of being witnesses, to be an easy one. In fact, to be a witness to Jesus Christ, in a sense, is to enter into a battle. It's to enter into a sort of warfare. Now, there's this phrase you may have heard, spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is a much maligned term. It's a term that, the more I read about spiritual warfare, the more it sounds to me like people are taking their ideas from spiritual warfare from science fiction movies and and bad books rather than from the scriptures. Nonetheless, we do know that this much is true. Satan is very angry to have lost to Jesus Christ. And he is not happy about the advancement of Christ's church, and he does vehemently oppose it. And so C.S. Lewis uh, describes our situation in the church this way. C.S. Lewis, as you know, the great author, one time was called on by the, the, um, the British government to give an explanation of Christianity over the radio during World War II. And those, those, those radio shows have been turned into a book called Mere Christianity. It's just a marvelous book to read. And in that book, C.S. Lewis describes the church's situation this way in the world. He says, we as the church live in enemy-occupied territory. That is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say landed in disguise, and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. That's a great line. When you go to church, he says, You are really listening in to the secret wireless from your friends. And that is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going. The enemy is anxious to prevent us from going to church because he knows you will hear the good news of Jesus Christ there. Further then, to follow that thinking out, the enemy is anxious in trying to prevent us from spreading that good news so that more people join us in this place. Satan is at work against the church because Jesus is taking this world back. And Satan, that foe who was so handily defeated on the cross, is upset and he's pushing back. That's why I think we have that strange and wonderful reading from Luke chapter 10 today. I think Jesus' words, this, this explanation that I've just given you, kind of help us understand what Jesus is saying to his disciples today. 
Here's the scene there. Jesus has sent out 72 of his disciples to prepare them for their mission after he ascends into heaven. And he's given them authority. Authority to cast out demons. Authority to heal diseases. And so as they go out doing this, they're amazed by what they see. The demons are fleeing from them. People are being healed. I mean, it's fun. It's exciting. They're loving this. Who wouldn't want to sign up for this thing? And so when they come back to Jesus, they're kind of over the moon. They come to Jesus and they say, you wouldn't believe this, Lord. Actually, he probably did believe it. He told them to do it. But Jesus, guess what? The demons are subject to us in your name. And notice what Jesus doesn't say to them. Jesus doesn't say something like this. I know, isn't it great? It's going to be like that from here on out, you know. One, evangelist, one evangelistic demon exorcism after another. You just wait, boys. It is a glory road from here on out. That is not at all what he says. No, he tempers them with these words. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You, want, you think you're impressing me? Guess what I saw. <laughs> Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I wonder if he doesn't try to calm them down. Because, not because he doesn't want them to be happy about the defeat of Satan. Of course he wants them to be happy about that. Of course we should rejoice over that. But what Jesus is saying to us here today is don't expect it to be like this every single time you go out. Don't expect it to be one victorious move after another. It's not going to be a glory road. Because Satan is angry. So you should expect hardship as well. After all, remember how it is that Jesus actually brings his reign about. It's not through a political wartime victory. But Jesus' victory comes hidden on a cross. His crown is of thorns. His throne is a torture device. His salvation is won through an unspeakable death. Thus, his reign is going to spread, not through power and might and political machinations, but it's going to spread through humble preaching and through persecutions, through, in a world that mocks and belittles and shames. The church should expect not just for the demons to be subject to us in the name of Christ, but we should also expect to face hard times and persecutions and mockery, even as we speak the truth in love. Yet despite the worst that the devil can throw at us, he still cannot prevail against the Lord Jesus Christ, and he cannot prevail over you because you have this promise to rejoice in. Your name is written in heaven. As I, as I describe the situation of what we'll face as we go out, I'm not trying to be sort of a downer here and make it sound like sort of hopeless. No, but we do have to be realistic about what happens when we preach the good news to people. When we go out and witness to Christ, sometimes you will face violent persecution. That's kind of the norm for the church throughout the history of the world. We've sort of been exempt from that here in America, and for this we can rejoice. Yet here we should expect to face uh, mockery and shame. People will put us down. People will look down upon us. Some people will hear you and just completely ignore you. Some people will hear you and they'll seem excited and fired up right away. And then when hardship or difficulty arise, they'll take off. And some people will believe. 
And I think sometimes that's the part we forget. I think sometimes that's the part Satan tries to silence in our ears. Sometimes you will preach this news and the person you are telling it to will actually believe what you say. Faith will come to their hearts through the hearing of the word that comes from your lips. And do you know how we know this is true? Two reasons. One, Christ promised it. And two, it's why you are here. You are here because someone evangelized you. You weren't born a Christian. You were born a heathen. I know that's not as cute to think about with the babies, but you were. All of us born sinful and unclean. All of us born in need of salvation. And guess what? He did it for you. Whether it was when you were baptized and Christ brought you into his kingdom there, or whether it was when someone preached that word into your ears and you found yourself saying, you know, I think I actually believe this stuff. And now it has brought you here to hear the wire from your friend Jesus Christ so that again your faith is renewed and encouraged and again you are given this wonderful promise that you are forgiven, you belong to Christ, your name is written in heaven. And so for that you rejoice, for that I rejoice, and with that promise we keep going forward on this mission to proclaim this wonderful promise in the word of christ Uh, (laughs) i hate to say it like this but with our witnessing results may vary okay but the promise is constant your name is written in heaven so that no matter what you face in this world whether people ignore you or attack you or mock you or listen to you, no matter what it is you face when you bring this good news, hear this. They cannot take Jesus away from you. And they cannot take you away from Jesus. You are free to testify this to this truth, for your name is written in heaven. So I say, let's get out there. Let's join Jesus and invade this enemy-occupied territory and take part in this great campaign of sabotage against Satan and his fallen kingdom. And let us testify to the good news. The rightful king has landed in Jesus Christ, for he has landed for you and for me and for all people in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. He has landed for all of us. And while we do so, rejoice in this. Your name is written in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you have taken the throne. You sit as Lord and King and God over all of this creation. And Lord, now you want heaven and earth to know it. Use us as your instruments, Lord. Open our mouths. Give us opportunities to proclaim your good news. Help us to hear the troubles and trials and sins that people are facing so that we might, Lord, speak to them of your gospel, of your forgiveness, of your healing and your hope. Lord, use us as your instruments and keep us faithful to you in all things. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.